The other day, I was looking through my Google Drive that I had created all of my assignments on when I was in college, and I went through and I deleted all of those teaching assignments, all of those assignments that really made me want to pull out my hair, the tone-deaf ones, the ones where it was like, how can you make students from marginalized community feel more part of your classroom? And I had to listen to all my white classmates be like, um... You validate the way that they speak because there's no incorrect way to speak English. There is no such thing as incorrect English. Uh, that is a dialect, blah, 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 blah. And then turn around and make a presentation where they're reading out AAVE, African American Vernacular English, um, asking for volunteers to read out, like, a, a, they, they wrote out AAVE, like, I think I talked about this in the past episode, like, you don't have no money, or, like, that's not what they said, but it's basically, like, they they wrote it out, um, and they were like, can I have any volunteers to read this out loud, and it was me and one other black girl, and we made eye contact, and we were like, I don't want to do it, like, I don't, I don't want to do it, and none of the white people, or Asian people, or Hispanic people wanted to do it either, like, it was just so uncomfortable, I have no idea why they thought that was a good idea, like, these were students, this was their class presentation, their final project, anyway, yeah, I had to, (laughs) I went through and deleted all of those assignments, where I was basically just lying to get through the class, because you, you know what the professor wants you to say, you know what this white woman professor wants you to say who hasn't been in a classroom in the past 10 years, you know what they want you to say. So you say it because you want to pass and get good grades. Um, yeah, so going through and deleting all of those things. Because actually, one time I said like what I actually believed. Like I was like, I think that, um, I actually don't remember. But I just said something like I was honest. In the beginning, I was honest. And then... I got a C. <laughs> and she was like, she said something like, I just don't think this is realistic. Like, I don't think, I don't, I don't think this would actually happen to a student. Like, what? I'm, I'm writing an assignment based on my own personal experiences as a person of color. And you as a white woman are telling me that this is unrealistic. Whew. Anyway, so I just lied after that. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to say what you want me to say so I can get my grade and leave. Which is honestly so depressing. Like, what? This is the education of our teachers. Like, this is this is how we're teaching the people that are that are gonna have our children's future in their hands. Oh my god, it's sickening. And that's like part of the reason why I just like <laughs> didn't want to go into teaching. Like, it it is not the students. It is not. It's not like the teaching, the, the actual teaching aspect. It's everything that goes along with it. And deleting those assignments felt so cathartic like I was like blasting Britney Spears and I was like yes (laughs) delete 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 um (laughs) but as I was deleting I found this document that I had made in maybe the spring of 2022 so not that long ago feels well spring of 2022 2021 I actually don't know but I, I made it while I was still in college, and this was before I had really, really, truly decided that I was not going to be a teacher. I kind of knew that I, like, wasn't going to, but I was, like, scared to commit. Um, and I made a document. It's called Three-Year Plan. And looking at this three-year plan was so, I don't know. It was so nostalgic. It was so endearing. Like, I was really feeling for the past 
like my past self like I was like oh like she's so cute (laughs) um but also I got to compare like where I had seen myself going like what I wanted to do and where I am now and I was like shocked to see that I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do like yay well like not everything is exactly like where I had envisioned it but it's not far off like I did I could say let me count really second one two three four five six I've done at least six of the things on this list and that I think there's only only like like 10 or 12 things on here let me see two four six eight ten twelve twelve wow look at me go um there's only 12 things on this list and I've done six of them probably like more than six some of them is like half um and some of them I had like question marks on so it was like ah do I want to do this do I not want to do this will it even be possible but I'm not counting the last two as well six out of ten that's like a d anyway but that's still a majority anyway I'm not counting the last two because that's 2024 and 2024 hasn't happened yet and I really only wrote hopefully I'll be employed and write novels as of my goals for 2024 but after I was uh looking at this list and I was kind of proud of myself for how much I've accomplished especially when sometimes it feels like I haven't accomplished that much at all looking back and seeing like what you want to do and how you accomplished them is so gratifying it made me want to create a new three-year plan and honestly It was kind of difficult because first of all, in the first three year plan I created, it was like based off semesters because that's how my life, my, my, how my time passed, like how it was measured based on, you know, spring semester, winter semester, summer semester, fall semester. I didn't always have like classes over, over winter and summer semester, but I, cause I'm an overachiever low key, I did take extra classes in the winter and summer so that I could do a minor and other programs. Anyway, it's not, not important. (laughs) I... Because I structured that three-year plan in the form of semesters, it was a little bit difficult for me to create this new three-year plan because my life no longer operates in the semester format. So I was like, well, 2024, 2025, 2026, like I wrote down the numbers for the year. So I was like, "Mm, but this feels like a whole year. Like, how am I going to make a plan for the whole year? I don't know. So then I was like, okay, first half of 2024 and second half of 2024 and then like I just split all the three years into the halves and it felt like much more manageable and obviously the first half of 2024 writing the goals for that so easy because like that's around the corner right I was like oh I want to do this 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 perfect um but then after that I was like uh I don't know like I feel like writing the year plan last time was so much easier because I was like oh next year I'll be a senior in college like this is what I hope to do senior year of college next year I'll be like first year out of college hopefully this is what I want to do then but now there's like no clear stage like there's no clear where I am in life you know what I mean like it's no it's just like oh I'll be 24 that year oh that's disgusting like no offense any 24 years but why does 24 feel so crazy different than 22 like oh it's kind of stressful I'm like because because by then you know those TikToks where it's like girl math where it's like well I hope to meet the person that I fall in love with by the time I'm 23 so that we can get to know each other for like three years and then we get married at 26 and then I have a kid at 27 and then when the kid is 20 I'll be 47 perfect like that's why I think the thought of being 24 26 27 28 is so scary to me and so like oh my god please no don't ever say that to me but then when I think about the 24 year olds 29 year olds 26 year olds that I know like 
they're confused too and it's okay to be confused too and it's okay to not follow that plan um but I I still sometimes get like I still sometimes stress myself out thinking about like oh oh my god I'm behind um and I think oh I, I, I think I think that's what it is. I think that's the crux of it is that I feel like at 24, I need to have made some sizable progress in my life, whether that's moving out or getting married or having a kid that makes it so clear to everyone else and myself that I am not behind. Anyway, existential crisis aside, how I approach this list and how you also could approach this list if you feel like making a three-year plan too is... I started with the big goals. I was like, okay, so what do I really, 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 really want? Like, what is something that I can achieve, but it's going to take some effort? And I kind of wrote that for each half. And I was like, um, I want to start working on manuscripts seriously, like every day writing in the one novel, one story idea. I want to move out eventually. I want to travel out of the country, explore a new city, learn how to put wigs on and not look busted and crusted and horrible, like, you know, how to make lace disappear. Uh, I want to begin querying at some point. And then I was like, okay, those are some big goals. What about like, what about, what about along the way? Like, how can I, how can I add some smaller goals to make it so even if I don't get those big goals, it feels like I have the same sense of gratification that I had when I looked at the old three-year plan that I made. And so I started writing stuff like um, buying my dog more expensive dog food. Like, you know, hopefully being financially stable enough to afford $90 every two months for my dog's dog food (laughs) you know I want to get better at cooking whether that's taking cooking classes learn pottery whether that's doing like pottery classes um create some art I even wrote like one of my things was like writing thank you notes this was like for the second half of 2026 I wrote write thank you notes become to the people that have helped me along the way I think that would be so cute to like write a little postcard and send it to all the people that have helped you get where you are today. Um, I don't know. That one just felt like like looking back. And like second half of 2026, I'll be 25. So hopefully I would have achieved something in life, done something, you know, that that I can thank people for helping me achieve. But I just thought, I just thought like ending this list on something that looks back would be like the perfect conclusion especially because i just found the last three-year plan um it just felt like hopefully if when i find this one again i'll be like yay time to do like it'll give me like something to do some action to do with my three-year plan like because when i was looking at this uh, the old one i made i was like okay um <laughs> but i mean it kind of recentered me kind of was like this is what i kind of want to do this is what i want to take from this three-year plan and focus back on those things that I didn't get to do. Um, but also I want to have like something actually to like do. <laughs> like writing thank you notes to people that helped me along the way. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm honestly, I'm never sure if I make sense. But that was a little a long sidebar. But this week's episode is about vulnerability. Ooh, right? Disgusting. Vulnerability. What's that? <laughs> So yeah, this week's episode is about vulnerability and it's an episode I've been thinking about doing for a while, but honestly kind of like, like, no, I don't want to. Um, And I think that's all the more reason why I should do it because this whole podcast, really the whole inception of it is about my vulnerability, talking about the things that 
I am a little bit hesitant to talk about. Um, also book reviews also, but also talking about those things that I feel for some reason a little bit nervous to talk about and trying to figure out why I feel nervous to talk about why it jumbles my thoughts in the way that it does. Um, and also, 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 this podcast is a way for me to get used to being more vulnerable. So I feel like this story should begin. This story should start by examining my childhood and not in a like depressing way, just in a way that's like, you know, it's like, okay, let me just get into the story. So when I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, I, first of all, I grew up, I grew up around when I was very, very young with a older brother around me, an older brother that was 13 years older than me. And he was just the coolest thing in the world to me. He was so cool. He played music super loud, had the windows down, you know, it was just like, oh my God, like he's the epitome of cool. Even though he works at Subway, that even that's cool. Like as a four year old, I was like, everything is cool. He works at Subway. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> he has a water bed. He's so cool. Um, I was obsessed with that man for better or worse. But because I grew up with that man, that guy, my brother, as my kind of role model in life, I feel like I kind of took on some like more more values of toxic masculinity. Not that he was like toxic, but just like, you know how boys are taught that like, you know, showing emotions is bad or like, like don't be weak or don't be, you know what I mean? Like, don't be, don't be don't be weak. Don't be a, don't be a little girl. You know what I mean? And so I feel like I unintentionally took that on as well, because let me give you an example. When I was younger, I, you know, when you're in gym class and the boys are acting stupid and they're acting crazy and they're throwing the ball around and then a girl gets hit in the head, you know, they lose control, hit someone in the head. And usually I would see like the girls like start crying and stuff. And when that happened to me, you know, that fateful day, it's always, <laughs> it's going to bound to happen to you one time, at least in elementary school, middle school, whatever, you're going to get hit by the ball. And everyone's gonna be like, Oh, ooh, are you okay? You know, when that happened to me, I did not cry. I did not. I held in those tears. And when everyone was like, Oh, are you okay? I was like, Yep, I'm good. <laughs> like on the inside, I was like, oh, oh my God. But on the outside, I was like, I'm good. It didn't even hurt that bad. Haha. <laughs> like, because to me, crying was like embarrassing. And I don't know why. Maybe I could do some type of deep dive psychoanalyzing of myself to figure out why I thought crying was so embarrassing when I was younger. But it felt like embarrassing and gross. And not that I was embarrassed for those other girls who were crying. Like, I didn't think they were embarrassing. I just thought for me personally, I just crying just felt like embarrassing. And I don't know if it's because it would bring more attention to me. And I'm typically a person who doesn't prefer to have a bunch of attention on her. But I just like held in those tears. Like I was I was a little seven year old, eight year old. I was like, I'm fine. Like to make the situation over as quick as possible. And I feel like that kind of rolled over that that practice into the rest of my life, which maybe that's dramatic. Like maybe it's dramatic to say getting hit in the face with a ball and refusing to cry because you think that's embarrassing is ridiculous to say that that impacted the rest of your childhood. But it does. Like I'm telling you, the parallels are there because then I feel like 
I spent a lot of my life, my childhood, needing to be strong for other people. Um, and eventually that led to people just associating or thinking of me as someone who is strong, as someone who is tough mentally. And it's not nothing wrong with that, but I felt this kind of like pride, this kind of validation in this reputation of being able to handle things mentally for my friends, for my family, whatever it was, um, being the shoulder that people can cry on. Um, or being the person that people can tell hard things to and it being okay. But I never felt like I could tell people, like, and it's not that I could, I felt like, it's not like I didn't feel like I couldn't tell them mine. It just felt like they needed to tell me theirs. And if I told them mine too, that'd be too much. It'd be too much on them. And eventually putting the emotions of other people first became somehow me being disgusted by emotions like <laughs> not too much like not too intense but more like when I was a teenager and I would watch these like teenage movies or whatever and they would be so emotional they'd be so angry they'd be so crying crying over boys crying over friends crying 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 I was like they are so ridiculous teenage girls mind you I was like 14 15 too. I was a teenage girl. I was like, teenage girls are so emotional, so ridiculous. Like, why are you crying over a baby? Why are you crying over a puppy? That's stupid. Get yourself together. <laughs> that was, that was my vibe. Um, I was like, get it together. Get it together, girl. Should not be crying over a puppy. Now, me, 22-year-old woman, is like, oh my god, <laughs> it's a puppy. It's a baby. Like, I'm literally gonna cry. <laughs> I think about that transformation so much and think about like how I would literally make fun of myself like the teenage version of myself would make fun of who I am right now um but honestly it's so freeing but we'll get to that I I just thought teenage girls were silly and when I look back on it I kind of think that like me being disgusted by emotions or not really thinking about my emotions that hard was kind of a defense mechanism like, a way to protect myself from other people hurting my feelings, like, not wanting people to have access or be aware of my feelings because it gives them more leverage over me. And I think that's because in elementary school, middle school, I had a lot of, like, toxic friendships and I didn't have any friendships because I got rid of those toxic friendships and I just felt alone. And so it just made me more guarded over my emotions, over my feelings, over my whole life in general, really. It goes back to what I was talking about in the episode, I'm embarrassed by my hobbies. Like, it's just, like, I just locked everything up as a way to protect myself because like if you don't know about it you can't hurt me with it like which <laughs> um I'm not a therapist I don't know what that means but I am aware of it for sure but the problem with that the problem with protecting yourself locking everything up inside to the point where you don't tell anybody anything about you is that you end up realizing that nobody knows who you are and when I realized that when I had that epiphany I was like Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows what I like. Nobody knows what I feel. Nobody knows what I went through in my life. Like, nobody understands my struggles because I never shared it with them. It was kind of shocking. Like, I went, the other day, one of my friends said, oh, you seem so chill. Like, I seem so chill? Me? Who has anxiety? Like, who is always nervous? Whose hands literally physically shake? Who had mental breakdowns in communications class where I had to do public speaking <laughs> like literally <laughs> like I'm chill that's crazy um but it makes so much sense that she perceives me that way because I never 
show her the anxiety. I freak out at home, I overthink at home, and then I show up and I'm having a good time, right? But they don't know that after I come back home, I'm like, oh my god, like, they hate me, I shouldn't have said that, I'm like, god, uh, I'm the worst person ever! Like, they don't see that, they just see the in-between, like, when I'm, I get over it or I cope with it, I don't know. So it just leads to a lot of the people that I'm really, really close to in life, like not just people in my life, people that I'm close to, people that I value, it leads to them thinking that because I don't talk about my struggles, they are non-existent. Um, Which is something like, I feel like everybody should always assume that people are going through things. You know what I mean? Like even if they don't talk about it, even if you don't know about it, everybody's living their life and life has its ups and its downs. But... Once I realized that nobody knew who I was, like, who I truly, truly am, except for, like, maybe two people, my dog and my mom, like, (laughs) it felt like it was too late to reveal who I really was. Like, it felt like it was too late to talk about my anxiety. It's too late to talk about I'm scared to, how I'm scared to drive. Like, it, it felt like it was too late to talk about the things about me that really make me who I am. And really, it's not too late. It just feels a little bit more difficult because they're like, you know, why didn't I know this the whole time? It just feels a little awkward to me, I guess, uncomfortable. But <laughs> I feel like I, I am a little bit at a time learning more and more how to let people in um, and do it in a way that I feel comfortable with and is not like jarring or shocking to the other person. But I before I did that, I, I focused on myself and the pandemic wow pandemic was a rough time for sure pandemic the the pandemic was horrible not a good thing for the world but for me personally it gave me some alone time some isolation time to really think about myself and who I wanted to be and one thing that I did over the pandemic was that I spent a lot of time learning how to cry again which I swear it's not as depressing as it sounds like that sounds like you know I've never cried a day in my life and I'm learning I'm teaching myself how to cry again and how to express my emotions like no I just I was learning how to give myself permission to cry more frequently and in front of people and more often and to not be embarrassed or ashamed about crying in the same way that that little girl who got hit in the face with a dodgeball felt and sometimes it wasn't even a dodgeball. Sometimes it was a full-on basketball. And basketballs, like, are they're hard. There's no give. Like, damn. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I just spent a lot of time during the pandemic learning how to allow the tears to come instead of repressing them. Like, even if it was silly situations. Like, one time I was... This is when I was taking, like, 18 credits, taking a lot of classes. And I had finally... And I was also, like, in, like, leadership positions, in the clubs and stuff and university and I had finally gotten a break like it was finally the end of my long long day of classes and club meetings and homework and I was like all day I was thinking about like how I wanted some ramen I was like oh my god some instant noodles would be so good it'd be so 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 good and I was making my noodles and I was so excited like you know when you're making something you can taste it in your mouth before you even like finish making it and you're like oh my god this is gonna be so good this is gonna be delectable and (laughs) I go to pour the noodles out, like the water from the noodles, and I'm pouring it out slowly, slowly into the sink, and before I know it, the noodles have gone with the water down the drain, like I don't even know what happened, like the the noodles just, just disappeared, it was one minute it was in my pot, and then it was down the drain, I was like, <sighs> my noodles, <laughs> I was like, my my noodles, like, 
<laughs> I literally started sobbing because my noodles went down the drain. Like I, I was devastated. I was in tears. I was inconsolable for real. Like I, I didn't even have it in me to make a new batch because I was just so like, I was like, this is going to hit so hard. It was going to be so good. This is the best noodles I've ever made in my life. I'm so excited. And to watch it go down the drain. God, you couldn't tell me anything. I just sat there and cried, really. Like, was my period about to come? Yes, but I would have been sad about those noodles whether my period was about to come or not. Like, I would have been devastated. But um, I just cried. I sobbed. And I let myself sob and I let myself cry because um, I was learning how to cry again. And in the past, I might have just been like, <sighs> like I might have just let, let, let go a gut-wrenching sigh and tried to get it together. But I did not want to. I didn't want to get it together today and I didn't have to. Like I could just sit on the floor and cry and nobody was going to say anything about it. Now, my grandma did laugh at me because... It was hysterical. Like, if I was in my right mind, I also would have laughed at myself. But I was not. And I was just crying. My grandma was laughing at me. It's, you know, sometimes that's life. Sometimes you look forward to some instant noodles and they go down the drain and you cry about it. And that's okay. But like I said earlier, my teenage self would have been like, that is so ridiculous. It's just noodles. Make some new ones and get it going. Get to, you know, get get to move in. Life goes on. But I I... I'm so happy that I'm learning that it's okay to cry over some noodles. It's okay. And you'll feel better after anyway, because really what you're crying about is not the noodles. What you're crying about is the noodles, yes, but also the stress that you're under, the grade that you didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, the test that you have coming up next week, the whatever, you know? Like you're crying about the noodles, but also all those things. And it's good to let yourself cry in that moment. And I feel like there's a lot of people that have taught me that vulnerability is okay in their own way in ways that they didn't even know. So one time in college, I was sad about this boy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. I was sad about the boy. I was pretty bummed. And I was telling my friends, I was like, yeah, like I was telling them what had happened. And they were like, oh my God, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, like I'm okay. Like, because in my head, I was like, well, whatever choice I got to do then to be okay. Like, it is what it is. And they literally came the next, like, that day. They were like, well, we'll stop by and see, like, we'll hang out with you. We'll stop by. And they brought me ice cream and Oreos. Like, that was so sweet. I didn't even know that I was, like, not okay until they brought me that and was, like, trying to comfort me. Because I was like, why are you comforting me? Like, I'm fine. But... <laughs> like the cookies and cream like that what the cookie dough ice cream like set me over the edge like I was like oh am I okay <laughs> like I don't know and that's okay like they came over and they were like oh you're fine like do you even need this ice cream because I was so like well nice to see you guys um thanks for the ice cream that was so sweet huh I didn't expect all this um but they kind of like they, they taught me that it's okay to cry into some ice cream like it's okay it's like first of all life will go on it will be fine but it's also okay to cry into some ice cream take a minute and do that before you pick yourself up and get back into your real life but other than that i also had other things that really like excuse you dog he's just over there snoring like he pays bills <laughs> anyway other than that, as I was saying, before I was interrupted by my dog's snoring, <laughs> the, 
there were a lot of experiences that I had in life that kind of like forced me to be vulnerable. Like when I was struggling with acne, like my vulnerability, my acne, my insecurity if my, in my acne was like right on my face for everyone to see. Like I, I, I had no choice but to live in a world with my acne and other people perceiving my acne. Now, granted, I was pretty lucky. It was the worst of my acne was during the pandemic. So I got to wear a mask and cover up the 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 worst of it. I actually remember one time I was working in retail during the pandemic at a craft store. And I went to the break room one time and I took off my mask to take a little, eat a little granola bar, a little snack. And this girl that I worked with saw me take off my mask and she had the nerve to say, oh, that is not what I thought she would look like. Now... <laughs> why would she say that and why would she say it like that like that is so rude that's so disrespectful do I understand what she's saying yes completely because when people take off their mask you're like wow that is not what I thought you were gonna look like but that's an inside your head thought and me going through acne at the time was like oh my god she's talking about my acne and how I'm uglier than she thought because I have acne um that's why I don't like meeting people with my mask first because I feel like it's just disappointment from there (laughs) what was I talking about yes my acne so I had to deal with being vulnerable in that way because my acne was on my face and then also learning how to deal with my my natural hair and how to love my natural hair being in the process of learning how to love a part of you while and trying new things with your hair is so like that is such a vulnerable process and you're you're susceptible you're in the hands of so many people they could say so many offhand comments that can set back your progress by so much so I also had to reckon with that aspect of vulnerability as I was learning new things about myself as I was trying new things about myself and as I was dealing with parts of myself that were unfamiliar like my acne and embarrassing almost but something else that was like kind of surprising kind of shocking to me was that I was being taught how to be vulnerable in the strangest of places, like my friends who were bringing me ice cream and cookies um, after my, my heart was broken over a boy, and my dog, like, my dog in the craziest ways has taught me how to be vulnerable, like, he's taught me it's okay to cry and be scared about things, like, he used to be so scared of, like, going down the steps, and he would just, (laughs) he would just sit at the top of the steps and cry, like, it is okay to get in my car and just cry, because I don't know how to drive on the highway, like, that's okay, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be upset, it's okay to be angry, like, when he's angry at me, he will come up to me, look me dead in the eye, then walk away and sit facing away from me, like putting his back to me. <laughs> it is okay to show these emotions and let people know how you feel and be vulnerable in that way. Um, so just like watching him communicate has been such an interesting thing, has taught me so much about myself. Like watching him ask to be comforted, to ask to sit in my lap, to ask to be petted and leaning into it, being vulnerable in that way, it has taught me and and rolled over into my actual like my personal life and kind of like I guess given me permission to do those things give me permission to ask for comfort which is like what your dog taught you that like not like you just didn't know that like okay I did but like seeing it in action was is so different and honestly (sighs) I'm still working on it I am still working on learning how to be vulnerable. I am still working on 
sharing pieces of myself with the people that I'm close to in my life. I'm still working on remembering the fact that I don't have to guard all these pieces of myself so intensely, so desperately, because even if I do get hurt, I can just cry about it and pick myself up again. Um, Because it's okay to cry. It's not embarrassing. It's not. Contrary to what 8-year-old and 14-year-old Sydney thought, it is not embarrassing. And it's okay to be vulnerable. I just feel like I just have such an aversion or I had such an aversion to being vulnerable because it felt like it was opening myself up for pain you know like you know like babies have that soft spot on their head and it's like if you hit, hit them there like it actually like hurts really bad like it feels like I'm showing my newborn soft spot to people and I'm like no like if I don't show them that if they don't know about it then they can never hurt me but it's not true because people can hurt you even if they don't know about your vulnerabilities <laughs> anyway um I honestly love the person. I am falling in love with the person I'm becoming as I'm becoming more vulnerable, as I'm sharing more about myself, and I'm learning to have confidence in those things that I'm that are my vulnerabilities so that even if people do hurt me, you know, in the areas where I'm vulnerable, it's okay. It's okay, and I'm growing as a person. Anyway, on that note, I think I'm going to end the episode here. As always, make sure to leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Jumble Podcast. Now, have I posted anything on the TikTok? No, I have not. But I'm working on it, guys. Like, I've got some things in the works. I feel like I always say that. But don't I always do? Like, don't I always actually do stuff eventually? Anyway, um... <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day the rest of your week um and i will talk to you guys again in the next episode